0: Morning. Would you pray with me, please? Lord Jesus, we thank you this morning, uh, Lord, for this uh, this day uh, that we have the opportunity uh, to come together, Lord, to worship you, to praise you, to lift up your name. And so, Lord, this morning I'm asking that you'd give us a sense of your presence in a way that maybe we don't normally have. That, Lord, you'd give us a sense of what you're calling us to as your church and as your people. Lord, I'm praying for those that are just uh, leaning in here, that are just kind of watching, that aren't necessarily interested in Christianity yet. And Lord, I, 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 I thank you that they're here, and we ask that you would uh, reveal yourself to them this morning through your Word. Lord, it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for being here this morning and being a part of Outward Church. Uh, just a, a a couple things. One. Um, had a couple technical difficulties this morning, so it was a little bit uh, difficult to get off the ground. So I'm glad that you're you're with us right now, or maybe you're watching this later. Either way, we're glad that you're here. And so uh, just to kind of give you a little bit of a rundown, like over the last last, uh, uh, week, everything's been crazy in our world between uh, a a pandemic, um, murder hornets uh, as well, and then on top of that, we have um, the George Floyd uh, protests and um, everything going on there. And so it's been a, a crazy week. It, it has been um, pretty intense. And, so, and I guess it's been the last two weeks here now. And so um, I'm glad that you're with us here this morning. Um, I, I actually want to pray again here just, um, just over the, the, the protests and everybody involved. So would you bow your heads with me and, and allow me to pray for that this morning as well. Lord God, we're, we're, we're lifting up our nation, Lord, our world. There are protests going on in many nations across the world now because of uh, the George Floyd and what happened to him. And so, Lord, this morning, we're, we, are, we are praying that your justice would roll down like a river and, Lord, that your justice would come to this world. Lord, that you would heal our land. Lord, that you would heal our nation. Lord, that you would root out racism. Lord, that you would convict us who, uh, who in large part have not experienced racism. Lord, would you convict us, those of us who, who live in parts of the, the country that don't really even know what's going on, on on some level, like myself. Lord, would you convict us where we haven't cared enough. Lord, would you convict us where we've been uh, overbearing in some ways with our political views instead of just hurting with people and loving them. Lord, would you convict us um, as, as people who um, at times have not stood up for um, those who are less fortunate, those who um, are of a different skin color. Lord, I pray that we would stand up for them. Lord, we also just want to pray uh, for our, our law enforcement officers. Lord, we want to pray for those that are experiencing great distress right now. Um, Lord, I'm praying for those that, um, that are evildoers, Lord, that you would root them out of our, uh, the, the police forces and law enforcement throughout the country. Lord, may good laws be put into place, not bad laws that are putting good people in prison for doing their job. Lord, would we put good laws in place? Lord, would you change the hearts and minds of people? May we see what's happening here. Lord, we pray for unity in our church. Lord, I know that there's many people who are watching this live stream right now that have an opinion one way or the other on this. And Lord, we're praying for them, that Lord, that they would, that they would seek for brotherly love, for unity. Lord, that they would, with compassion, express their views. And, and Lord, that, that you would use them powerfully to bring about healing in our nation. So Lord, we're just asking you to lead us in this. And Lord, we're praying that you would work in our hearts and minds. And Lord, in outward church, in our church, in our time, Lord, may we stand for the right things. May you give us a new vision for where you'd have us go in this realm of of race. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining with me in that. And so I just want to acknowledge this morning that there's uh, a lot going on. Uh, on top of that, as it was stated that at the top of the service, um, we are quite possibly going into phase two, um, probably on Friday, unless we get held back for some reason or another. As of right now, our plan is to begin, begin meeting next Sunday. If we get into phase two, if we don't, we'll have to recalibrate and probably go uh, the week after that. But right now, our plan is to is to begin meeting next Sunday. Now, the details of all of that are forthcoming, meaning we don't know yet. But but we, we but we do know a couple of things. One is that the uh, the floor here at our church has been stripped of all of the mismatched flooring. Uh, we had a contractor um, who let me let me let me look up their their. Their, uh, their name here. Maximum Finish, Bo Daris uh, with Maximum Finish. Uh, fantastic guy came in, gave us a price that we could not say no to. It was uh, more than 50% off the price. Um, we could not have put floor coverings down for this price, I don't believe. Uh, he came in and refinished the floors. He sanded them, and, all, and they did an amazing job. He has an amazing crew. So if you need concrete polishing, you should go to that guy. Uh, maximum Finish, Bo Daris with uh, Maximum Finish did a, a fantastic job. We're so thankful because we were using razor blades uh, and there was dust everywhere and it was a giant mess, so praise God for that. So we're excited about that. We spaced out the pews. We, uh, if you can look around here, I don't know if the, the camera guys can get, get on it here that, that fast, but if you want to look around the pews, they're spaced out six feet. And so basically, uh, you know, if you're sitting on a pew, you're going to have to space yourself um, side to side, but front to back, you should be good. Um, But we're going to work this out. We'll probably end up having to do two services. Um, We're trying to, we're we're allowed to have up to 250 people uh, in our building. And so we'll see how, we'll see how that goes. We're we're probably going to have to have you register to come to service. Uh, If you forget and come anyway, that's not the end of the world, but we're probably really going to have to have you register. And so. Please do that when we send out that link, so we are incredibly excited to meet incredibly 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 excited to meet and uh, looking forward to that day and listen uh, face masks are are if you if you feel like you absolutely uh, want to have one of those on, we encourage you to do so um, if you if you don't feel like you uh, need to do that then uh, then that's okay as well. We just ask that you uh, commit to social distancing just like we would in the grocery store and uh, Home Depot and all of those other places that have been open and packed out for months and months and months. So in, in any case, that's what we're doing here. And so we encourage you to, uh, to abide by those, uh, whatever, whatever we're doing in our, in our city here today. And so looking forward to that, be looking for that. We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 4, if you turn there with me. And ultimately, what this passage is talking about, it's talking about uh, stopping sinning. And so the title of my sermon, I think, today is going to be, For Christ's Sake, Stop Sinning. For Christ's Sake, Stop Sinning. Now, that can be taken as an expletive, uh, where it would say, for sake, stop sinning, or it could be taken as an impassioned plea to live in relationship with God. And depending on how you view that, depending on how you look at that, if you're looking at it like it's an expletive and you say to yourself, you know what, I, that's, it's true. I need to stop sinning. I've got to stop doing all these bad things and then everything will be okay. If you're taking it like it's an expletive, then you've missed the gospel. You've missed something there. But if you're taking it as though for Christ's sake, uh, I stop. I need to stop sinning. I need to stop moving in that direction. Then you're on the right track. And I believe that that's what this passage is speaking to us about. Now, there's a couple of hard parts in here, maybe almost as as difficult as last week, but that's okay, we'll get through it. And so what I wanna encourage you to do is to hear me in this and to hear what the passage is is speaking to us in the parts that aren't difficult to understand. So 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning in verse one, pick it up right there. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and then malign you. But they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached, even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. And we'll stop right there. Now, uh, this passage I think is, is incredible. Christ has suffered for us. He suffered for you and for me to give us life in God. And he's saying, since therefore, therefore, what, what's it? Therefore, it's the, what, you got to look at the whole passage that's prior to that. He's saying, since Christ suffered in the flesh, he's saying, I want you to arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. The same way of thinking. What, what kind of thinking is this? Well, it's a, it's a new way of thinking. It's, it's a new way of thinking that basically says this, that like Jesus was, uh, was willing to suffer the cost of not entering into sin, just like Jesus was willing to suffer the cost of that, you and I must also be willing to suffer in order to avoid sinning. We must be willing to suffer in order to avoid sinning. Now, we talk about the gospel a ton here. One of the things that gets left out in Christianity oftentimes, especially those of us that uh, emphasize the gospel, emphasize the reality that Jesus went to the cross and he perfectly accomplished everything for us. The righteous for the unrighteous, it says earlier in chapter 3. That he perfectly went to the cross in order to bring us to God. And that that was not contingent on the good things that I do. That was not contingent on the fact that, that, that uh, I, I, might, I might sin again. That wasn't contingent on that. Jesus went to the cross and he accomplished this. And he accomplished it perfectly. And this is saying that when you have the same thinking that Jesus did. When I think, when I use Jesus as my example and I say, yes, he died for me, he paid for my sins, he accomplished all things. When I understand that about him, then I can begin to walk in what he has called me to walk in. I can begin to do this. And Peter says this, he says, I want you to arm yourselves. The word arm yourselves is a military term. It's to get yourself ready. It's to pick up a weapon. What happens oftentimes though with with Christians is that instead of of looking at this and saying uh, and arming themselves with a new way of thinking, they take an old way of thinking and they try to accomplish God's will with their old way of thinking. They try to do it on their own. Many of you who are watching here today do not have an understanding of the gospel. You've been thinking to yourself that you're a good person, that you do nice things for other people. You bless people. You're, uh, you're not cheating on your spouse. You're, uh, you know Maybe you give to charity occasionally. You're, you have your moral standard and you say, I've accomplished what, do I, what I need to accomplish. But the problem with that is that that is not availing yourself Putting yourself in the arms of Jesus. It's not taking the path that God has given you to walk down. It's saying, I'm going to take my own path. I'm going to take my own direction. And I am going to try and save myself. That's essentially what that is saying. Peter is saying that when you get the gospel, when you understand it, it's like a weapon. It's like a weapon. It's a weapon that if you if but if you if you have that weapon like maybe you have the gospel on some level but you have not availed yourself to it you don't pick it up you don't use it you don't fight with it then you're going to you're going to miss it you're going to miss it this is saying for Christ's sake stop sinning it's not saying hey get it together for the love Stop sinning. This is saying, for the sake of Christ, for what he has done for us, we must stop sinning. That's what he is saying. We must arm ourselves with right thinking in order to be able to have a weapon against sin. John Owen says this in The Mortification of Sin. He says, be killing sin or it will be killing you. You cannot kill sin with your own bare hands, your sheer willpower. It must be killed with the weapon of what Jesus has done for us. Until you get that, you're just doing your own thing. So he says, for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Now, when you read that, and this this one was really getting me over uh, throughout this week as I've been studying this passage and, and the weeks prior as we've been preparing for this series. But whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Does Peter, is Peter saying this? Is Peter saying, hey, if, if you uh, believe in Jesus Christ, then you are going to be somebody who is never going to sin again. It, that can't be what it means. Because First John 1, 8 says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we say we don't have sin, we're, we're, we're lying to ourselves and the truth is not in us. I mean, you know, you especially know this about your spouse, like they may think that they're perfect, but they ain't perfect. I live with them all the time. They might be a coworker, or somebody that you know, like, hey, I know that that person uh, doesn't get things right. So clearly what Peter is not saying, Peter is not saying, hey, uh, if you've gotten the gospel, if you've gotten the right thinking, then you have ceased to sin. You have stopped sinning. No, what Peter is saying is he's saying this. If you're suffering for the sake of Christ, then you know this you know that you have ceased from sin, at least in that area. You know that you have ceased from sin. What you should really know about this passage is as we've said is that these people were enduring great suffering, suffering that's well beyond what we're going through right now. I mean, we're not even suffering. We've had to stay home uh, for a while. There are people who have lost their jobs. There are people who have died, but for the most part, many of us are are not suffering. These people that Peter was speaking to were suffering. I'm in the middle of reading a book called uh, uh, Dominion, and the tagline is how the Christian revolution remade the world. And in this book, he recounts uh, the world that Christianity came into. When Jesus uh, came uh, into the flesh, when God came into the flesh through Jesus Christ, Uh, What happened was this, is Jesus enters into this world that was absolutely brutal. This author, who is an atheist, uh, I understand, has gone through historically and recounted all of the brutality, all of just this society that is absolutely despicable. This society that was absolutely grotesque in so many ways. He goes through so many uh, items. I can't even talk about them on camera this morning. Because they are so disgusting. The methods that they would use to torture, to maim, were were absolutely horrific. And what happened was this. That Christianity came into being through Jesus Christ. And Christianity comes into being, and all of these people decide that they're no longer going to participate in what's happening in the world. They're not going to participate in what their society is doing. And so they began to endure such incredible suffering simply because they would not sin the way that their society was sinning. This is a society that in some ways, I mean, when, we, when we preach, oftentimes we like to say all of the ways that we are similar to the society that, that, that the, 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 the biblical author is speaking to. In this situation, it is as though the entirety of this society was, was completely racist. It was And not just racist, but racist, exploitative, violent, murderous, horrific, horrific things. That if we were to look back on it and and, and see it for what it really is, we would say, that is horrific. And here you have a small group of Christians who are saying, I'm not going to participate. And there is this deep need to not feel like an outcast. There is this deep need to not suffer the consequences. There is a deep need to not be killed because of your faith. So I believe what Peter is saying here is he's saying, you've got to arm yourselves with the same way of thinking that Jesus had. And that is that Jesus was willing to endure suffering. He went headlong into suffering in order for you to, to be saved, in order that you could have life. He went into that. And so it's saying this. It's saying that whoever has suffered in the flesh, like Jesus has, Jesus suffered for doing what is right. And we know, at least on this point, that if you're suffering, then you must be doing something right in that area. Now, you can suffer for doing what is wrong. You can suffer for a lot of other reasons. It, instead of leading, it, leading you towards God, it can lead you away from God. This is talking about a very specific situation. And that is saying, be willing to suffer for doing what is right. And that is going to show that you are with Jesus, that you have the right kind of thinking. Why is that? Look at verse 2. So as to live the rest of the time in the flesh that is on earth, so that you live the rest of your life from this point until the the end of of your earthly life, so that from the point that you become a Christian until uh, until you die or Jesus returns, that you would no longer, so that to live the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. That you would not live for what you desire to do. Now, here's the problem. If you look at, uh, for Christ's sake, stop sinning as an expletive, the problem is, is something that you're saying to yourself, and you're saying, I just have to stop sinning. What you're not getting is this is that you are still driven by your passions. You're you're trying to drive your righteousness, you're trying to drive your life by your passions. Now, what are these passions? Well, it's this really interesting word called epithymios. And this this word is really made up of kind of two words. It's epi, which is short for epic. It's where we get our word epic, epi and then thymios, which is desire. And it's saying this, it's saying, it's not just a desire, it's not just a want. It's not just something that you kind of want. It is something that you deeply desire. It's something that you have to have. It's an inordinate desire. It's something that is causing you to at any cost go after what is not yours. Jesus uses the same word in Matthew 28 he says but i say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with epithymios lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in, her, in his heart this idea of these passions that that you would no longer be living your life for your desires for your passions that you would no longer be going after those things. Think about the world that these Christians are in. It doesn't matter what it was, anything goes. Anything at all, and this was a society. This was a society that was so incredibly horrific, so incredibly violent. that you and I would not want to be anywhere near this. We would not believe it. What Peter is saying here is this. He's saying, you cannot be driven by your lusts. You cannot be driven by your desires. You must be driven by the will of God. The first way that our thinking needs to change is that we have to arm ourselves with the gospel. Jesus sacrificed himself for us and he was willing to suffer in order to do what's right. The second thing is this, is that our human passions must be turned into a desire to do the will of God. For the will of God... Jesus did this before he went to the cross. It says in Matthew 26, 39, it says, And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Here's Jesus, the Son of God, who is sitting there. And and he is in this place where he is enduring such incredible stress such incredible hardship and he is saying that even he is struggling in this moment that not not as I will but as God the Father wills I want my life to be about the will of God and not about my own personal will do you see how different that is for our world? Do you see how, how strange this is? Do you see what's going on here? Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 19, he says, Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. Who is he talking to? Who is he talking about? He's talking about our world that says, Anything that I desire, I should have. As long as it's not racism, I should be able to do whatever I want with my body, with someone else. As long as it's not racism, then I, then I, then I should be able to do whatever, whatever else I want. And so ultimately... The the, the the arbiter of truth in your life is ultimately you. You are the one who is determining what is right and wrong. The problem with that is that in Peter's day, in Jesus' day, that world was saying, I should be able to determine whatever I want. I should be able to be governed by my own desires. I should be able to act however I want to Please myself with whoever I want. And the stories are many. I won't go into detail entirely as to what those stories were because we may have kiddos at home here. But they are horrific. Their God is their belly. And he goes on a little bit further and he says, For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles, that's pagans, non Christians, want to do living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. He's saying this. He's saying that, that, that the time has passed for this. You've already done all of that. And I need to pause here for just a second because, uh, guys, are we still on, on track here? Is everything good? We have audio, just not video. Okay, okay. That's probably better for them at home. So, perfect. Okay. I'm going to keep going, even though I, I'm, I'm not looking at anybody other than the uh, future recording of this. He says, For the time that has passed suffices for doing what the Gentiles, the, these pagans, these non-Christians, want to do. Now, when, when you read that and you, you kind of think about it, what, what you see is, is, is it seems kind of legalistic. It's saying that, everybody else wants to do evil to everybody else everyone other than christians wants to do evil to everyone else that's that's kind of what it looks like but honestly what it's saying here is this he's saying you've done enough of that he's talking to these people who are christians and he's saying hey You've had more than enough drunkenness. You've had uh, more than enough of sensual parties and interactions. You've had more than enough of these drinking parties. You've had more than enough lawless idolatry. You've had more than enough of this. And ultimately what he's saying is, he's saying, you've had your fill Of all of that stuff and now it's time to do something different see that world in that day and in that time was so beyond any kind of restraint there was uh, they, they lived without any moral restraints at all it was licentiousness it was again there's that word epithymia or passions There was whatever they desired, there was a lust for it. There was absolute drunkenness. There was lawless idolatry. And they had to come to a point where they were willing to say that God is right and I am wrong. See, nobody, absolutely nobody comes to Christ without first realizing that all their efforts to achieve happiness and success and peace, Are really just empty promises see before you can receive christ you must first come to terms with your own sin and you must come to a place where you say i've had enough i'm done with it and why is it is it because god just wants to keep stuff from you you know i mean we've talked about genesis 3 constantly where the snake goes to eve and basically, tells her that God's trying to keep you from all the fun. God's trying to keep you from success. God's trying to keep you from experiencing life the way that you want to experience it. God's trying to make it so you're just not gonna be happy. But what's completely fascinating to me is back to this book I was telling you about earlier called Dominion, How the Christian Revolution Made the World by Tom Holland. He's speaking about God's commandments. And he's talking about how this influx of Christians coming into the world had impacted their world. And it says this, commandments were just. Not because God had decreed that they were, not because he had uttered them to a prophet, not because he had issued them amid fire and thunder from some distant mountain in a desert, but because they worked for the common good. See, when I exercise my rights to exert my passions to exert my lust, to do whatever I want. That means this, that I can do whatever I want. It doesn't matter who I hurt. It doesn't matter what's happening. When I'm exerting my own desires, what takes place is this, is that society degenerates and degenerates and degenerates. And this book that I'm reading is really talking about My understanding is because I haven't finished it yet, but this book is talking about how the West has benefited so greatly from its Christian roots that it has become normalized that people have rights, that it has become normalized that we believe that racism is wrong, that it has uh, become normalized that we don't take advantage Of people it's owing to the idea the reality that God's uh, commands are not about him just making arbitrary rules but they're about him protecting the world that he created and so you can look at it and you can say man that seems pretty legalistic that they shouldn't be able to do this but we're not exactly talking about just some drunkenness We're talking about young men, young women being used in any way that anyone desires. Again, the stories are horrific in this book. We're talking about people being brutalized in the midst of these parties and these festivals and this lawless idolatry as in anything goes in support of our idols. This is what he's talking about. And guess what? It's wrong thinking. See, you and I may not be in the middle of taking advantage of people on that level, but the truth is the root of that sin is in every one of our hearts. The root of that sin is deeply implanted within us. The root of, see, what our world has try, been trying to tell us as white people for some time is this, and I know this because I've spoken uh, or, or heard speak many of our African-American pastors in Acts 29, the network that we're a part of, is that they say, you don't understand what I'm dealing with. You don't understand what, what's happening here. And in some ways, they're saying very gently, you don't understand what you have simply by the color of your skin. You're not under suspicion the way that I am oftentimes. And we can all look at that. We can say, that's wrong. But see, the root of it is in all of our hearts. All of us have some piece of this lawless idolatry. All of us, to some degree or another, have this, this, the, these passions, this idea that I'm going after whatever I want to go after. All of us have these desires that we don't seem to be able to tame. They may not be on that level entirely, but they're still there. And the reason is because we haven't armed ourselves with the right way of thinking. We have not armed ourselves with what God has called us to arm ourselves with, which is through Jesus Christ. See, before you can, come, you can receive Christ, you've gotta to come to terms with your sin. And you have to acknowledge the reality that I am a command breaker. The commands that I have broken are not for the common good. The commands that I have broken have been against God. The commands that I have broken are ultimately driven by my will. And we must say, I've had enough. I'm done with it. I'm I'm done with it. He goes on a little bit further, and he says, with respect to this, they were... They are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you, but they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. What was happening in that time, in fact, there's, there's stories, there's writings about how the Christians were maligned. They were lied about. I could go into some details, but it, it, it's, it's just Graphic the ways that this society, as evil as it was, what they had to do in order to malign Christians was to go to the nth degree to accuse them of such despicable things that it, wasn't, it, 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 it was crazy what they were being maligned with. And people believed it. And as a result, the Christians were murdered. But what Peter is saying is here, they're surprised when you don't join in with them. They're surprised when you're not engaged with what they're doing. See, this is what happens is, is Peter saying, be willing to suffer the disgrace of not joining in with them. In this society, these festivals, this lawless idolatry, this violence, this immorality, all of, all of these things were centered around the worship of idols, the worship of false gods. To not join in with them was to say, I am disgracing your God. To say that I serve the one true God who we see in Jesus Christ was a disgrace to their gods. And so here they are, these people, simply by not joining in, they are condemning those people without even saying a word, by not joining in with that. And I just need to say this. That Christians, we need to get our stuff together and to understand that it's real easy to get comfortable in this world. It is really, really easy For us to get so comfortable that we just join in with everything that they're doing. That we join in with every aspect of what's happening in our world. Where do you stand? It's easy to to join in sometimes. When you're on a business trip and everyone's going to that show that you know is gonna be disgraceful to your wife. It's easy to put yourself in situations like that. It's easy to be drinking too much when you get into areas with some friends that you've had in the past, or even new friends, because you wanna join in. I just got to say this, Christians, we have a responsibility to believe the gospel, to arm ourselves with that, that he went to the cross for my sin, and it is done. And I'm done with it. And so although I screw up, and it says in 1 John 1 9, if I confess my sins, he's faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Yes, claim that. But don't do it with some wanton attitude that just says, I'm just going to continue to feed the lusts of my flesh. I'm going to continue getting wasted instead of just appreciating alcohol as a good gift from God. That's a blessing. And uh, instead of entering into all of these areas of life and doing what everyone else is around us, as subtle as it is in our world in comparison to Peter's world, as subtle as it is, there must be a mark about us that we are not entering into those things. And it's not just because God is trying to keep us from all the fun it's not at all it's because God is trying to protect us and he's trying to protect our society Tim Keller said this about this passage he says why does he give that command because when you break that command you break you when you break that command you're breaking society when you break that command you denigrate yourself you denigrate your spouse you're, you're taking pieces out of your character. You're defaming the name of God. When, when, when you break that rule, you're breaking you. It's, it's this. It's that God has created you. To live in the Spirit. In fact, that's what the last verse says. For this is why the gospel was preached, even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the Spirit the way that God does. That middle section there seems unclear. I'm not going to talk a ton about that. But that they might live in the Spirit the way that God does. The last way that you arm yourself is that you're walking in the Spirit. How do you know that you're walking in the Spirit? It's when when you have the opportunity to engage in whatever it is, drunkenness, promiscuity, screwing over a business partner, violence, anger, whatever it is, all of those driven by the passions of your flesh, and you hear that voice that says, that's just what you wanna do, Matt. That's just what you want. You're following the lusts of your flesh. You are following you. You're not following the will of God. And so Jesus' plea to you this morning is for my sake, stop sinning. For Christ's sake, stop sinning. For, for the sake of what Christ has done for you. For everything that he has done for you. He's calling you to say, I've had enough. And to focus on his gospel and say, this is what it means to walk with Jesus. And so, let me just tell you this what do you do when you find yourself in a position where you're continually walking in the passions of your flesh doesn't it doesn't necessarily need to be just sensuality it could be anything you know you know your own heart what do you do you have to look to the gospel the gospel is the story about jesus christ It's the good news about Jesus Christ that when Jesus came and he paid the penalty for sin and then died and rose again, that he is bringing you to God. And to sin against him, to be governed by my passions is to say to Jesus, I don't care about what you've done. I don't care what you how you've how you've died for me. I, dis, I dishonor your death. It's it's to ultimately say I I don't appreciate what you've done for me, Jesus. It's to say my 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 heart has not been affected by how you've loved me. And so how do you begin? It comes through a heart transformation. It's not by trying harder and swearing at yourself, for the sake of Christ, stop sinning. It's not that. It's saying for the sake of Christ, for Christ's sake. Look at what he's done for you. See him bleeding out on the cross, as ugly as that is. Look at the brutality that he endured by this evil, Group of people in that biblical time. Look at that brutality. And then put yourself in the position of those people who nailed him to that cross. Knowing that it was completely out of love. He loves you when he's going to the cross. And to be driven by my passions is just to continue to insult him on the cross. You have to see him on the cross. And then be able to say with Jesus, not my will, but thy will be done in my life. And be willing to suffer the consequences. Be willing to go on the trip without attending the show. Be willing to take the hit in business in spite of the fact that you lose money. Be willing to take the heat for what you did It's suffering for the sake of Christ because Christ suffered for you. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for this truth. And this morning we ask that you would work in our hearts and in our minds as we come to your table. Lord, for those that don't have relationship with you, Lord, I pray that you would convict us because nobody comes to you without being convicted of their need for you in the first place. So Lord, bring about conviction in our hearts and in our minds. Lord, for those of us who are Christians who have just continually uh, operated in our own passions and not according to your will, Lord, I pray for deep conviction in that. And Lord, that you'd change us by the power of your spirit. We ask this in your name, amen. And this morning, I wanna invite us to the Lord's table. Let's take a moment here and just thank Jesus for his broken body on the cross. Would you do that silently, just by yourself? Lord Jesus, I confess that I Take advantage of your gospel all the time instead of living in light of it and arming myself with it but i try on my own so often Lord, thank you for going to the cross and and your body being broken and and beaten for me it's in your name let's partake of the bread and lord jesus we also thank you for the cup The cup that that you did not pass over. But that you willingly drank of the cup. The cup of suffering. And the wrath that you endured in our place. Lord Jesus, thank you for that. You took the wrath that we deserved for our sin. We thank you for dying on the cross for us. Let's partake of the cup. Lord Jesus, thank you for what you've done. It's in your name we pray, amen. Let's continue to worship here, and then just after uh, service, uh, we'll have basic. So if you want to know more about Outward Church, you can find more out about that. Just after the service here, we'll stay live. Uh, but let's continue to worship.